Welcome, 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 welcome to the Neurological Deep Dive Podcast. I am your host, Ferret Fawn, and today we have another Gospel Dawn moment. Thank you for listening, thank you for tuning in. Welcome everyone, this is the Gospel Hour with Dawn. My name is Donald, and this is Gay Pride Month, June of 2023. And I thought I would expose some of the lies that propel and support the LGBTQ movement. And in part one of this talk, this podcast, I talked about eight lies. And one of them is, lie number one was, the rainbow represents the LGBTQ people. That's a lie. Lie number two, Some people are born homosexuals. Not true. Lie number three, Jesus never condemned homosexuality. Not true. He condemned lasciviousness and uncleanness. And uh, that that would definitely cover homosexual activity. Lie number four, homosexual tendency or preference is a proper form of sexual orientation. That is not true. It is a form of sexual disorientation. Lie number five, same-sex unions are naturals. After all, animals are involved in that. Well, we are not supposed to follow animals. We are to follow God. Lie number six, homosexuality is a sin just like any other. Well, it is a very grievous sin according to Genesis chapter 18. Lie number seven, God accepts everyone and does not discriminate in the matter of sexual preferences. Well, that's not true. God does discriminate between the righteous and the unrighteous. And by the word discriminate, I mean he differentiates between the two two, uh, behaviors or the two ways of living. And lie number eight, the last one I talked about last time, is free sexual expression is harmless. Well, it is not because it does produce all kinds of uh, consequences. Diseases, family tensions, guilt feelings, depression all kinds of other problems that it, it causes a darkened understanding, it causes jealousies, unwanted children, and worst of all, it separates us from God. And so these, that's lie number eight. Well, I wanna now cover lie number nine. It is this, there is nothing wrong with same-sex attraction if they love each other. Well, this is not true. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, it says, See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. So yes, we should love one another, but with a pure heart. And it's important that we understand the word love. It does have two meanings, and this is often uh, lost sight of. And um, so one of the meanings of love is a delighting love. It means to take pleasure in, like I love ice cream, I love chocolate cake. That means to take pleasure in, or I love that person. You're taking pleasure in that person. That's one meaning of love. And the other one is a benevolent love. And that means to promote the good of. It really means goodwill. So same-sex lust is a delighting love. It's not benevolence. Perhaps some are deceived into thinking their love is pure, but it is very easy to be self-deceived. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says, The heart is deceitful, above all things 
and desperately wicked, who can know it? And that's speaking of the unregenerate heart, the heart that's not born again, the heart that is selfish, in other words. A selfish heart will easily lie to itself. So is it love of benevolence if you lead someone into immorality? Is this the love of goodwill? I say no. True love for a friend will always try to promote their good and never lead them astray or lead them into sin. Why? Well, sin leads to hell. If a man or woman love each other, they will get married before becoming physically intimate. Why? Well, because they love each other. They care about each other's moral and spiritual well-being. If two women love each other, they will encourage each other to fear God and to obey God and to stay chaste and pure. The same goes for two men if they love each other. They'll help each other to live right. True love for another person involves be being concerned about that person's spiritual and eternal happiness. Not just their temporal happiness, but their eternal happiness. That's true love. In other words, that's true goodwill, or you could call it benevolence. Only a morally upright soul will be truly happy and truly blessed, both in this life and in the next. So if we love our fellow man, we, we should uh, care about them. Uh, the Bible says in Romans chapter 13, verse 8, it says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. So God's law requires us to love one another. And of course, that word love means to promote the well-being of one another. And later on in the same chapter, in verse 10, it says, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So if we, first of all, I want to say this, that I owe love to everybody. I owe love to every listener of this podcast. I, I owe love to homosexuals or people that are in the LGBTQ community. I do love them. In fact, I can truly say I love them more than uh, the, maybe much more than what, than their friends uh, love them. And I say that because I don't wish any harm upon anyone. Love worketh no ill. That means no harm to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So true love for another will rather rebuke them if needed, then flatter them. And in Proverbs chapter 26, verse 28, it says this, A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. First thing, a lying tongue uh, afflicts them, and they hate those to whom they afflict. So those who are spreading lies these lies of the LGBTQ community, they don't really love you. Why? Because they're lying to you. They really hate you or they're using you 
for their nefarious purposes. And then it says in the same verse, it says, Flatter, a flattering mouth worketh ruin. Flattery means insincere praise. And whenever we praise someone and we're not sincere in that praise, we're ruining them. Actually, we're setting a net for their feet. As it says in another proverb, Proverbs 29, it says the same basic thing. It says in Proverbs 29, verse 5, it says, A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet. So true love would rather rebuke rather than flatter. And right down in the same basic area in Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 5, we read this. Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Now, it says open rebuke. That word rebuke means to blame or to point out a fault. It means to reprove. So open reproof or rebuke is better than secret love. That word secret means hidden or unseen or confined to the heart or to the feelings. See, if you only have feelings of love for someone, but you don't really, but you're not really out to promote their well-being, then you're really not having the true kind of love that God wants. True kind of love will tell those who are going astray that they're going astray. Why? Well, they care about their souls because the soul is that part of you that will never stop existing. And that's what we want. We want people to be happy in the next life as well as in this life. And here's another good verse that tells us how to love one another. It's in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 17. It says this, Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Now, when it says don't... Okay, it says we should not hate our fellow man in our heart. Okay, and, and instead of hating, we should rebuke them. In other words, point out their fault if they're in, in the wrong and point out their fault for the sake of helping them and loving them and caring for them, of course. And if we don't point out their fault and we know about it and we stay silent, then what we're doing is we're suffering sin upon them. In other words, we're accomplices to their evil, to their sin. We're kind of winking at their sin. In other words, we don't care. Let them go to hell. You know, that we have that attitude. And that's an uncaring attitude. And it says, rebuke thy neighbor. The word neighbor means anyone within the reach of your influence. So we should love our fellow man, in other words, and those who are within the reach of our influence. And one way to love them is by speaking truth to them. And so these people that don't want truth being spoken in public, they're the people that do not love the homosexual community. They're the ones that are really filled with hate. They don't care if, they're, if their fellow uh, evildoer, so to speak, uh, um, is, is going down the wrong road. Well, Christians do care, and of course, God cares very much. Here's another good uh, verse. It's in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, 
ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of, of meekness, lest thou also be tempted. Now, that's love. If a man is overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, that means you who is gaining ground spiritually, you who is walking with God and aiming to please God in everything, you who are spiritual, restore such an one. That means bring them back to where they ought to be. To restore, it's kind of like taking a, a if a bone is uh, out of joint and it's dislocated, and and you got to restore that bone. Now there might be some pain for the moment, but you got to pull that bone apart and put it back in place, and that's kind of painful, but it's necessary for the long-term health of that person, and that's an act of love. So we got to help each other. To do right that is a big part of loving each other so that's line number nine there is nothing wrong with same-sex attraction if they love each other well we have to define true love now that's first uh, that's a uh, line number nine here's lie number ten the LGBTQ community promotes equality well, again, just like the word love, it gets twisted. The word equality gets twisted too. So we're going to try to understand this concept of equality. Uh, do they promote equality in a good sense? I say no, they don't. So let's define equality. Equality means the same degree of dignity or the same degree of claims. Do Marxist rulers treat those who oppose this sin the same as those who promote it? They're not even equal in that way. If you oppose homosexuality, the law will come against you harder than if you are for homosexuality. That's not equality. Okay? So, but not all behaviors are entitled to the same degree of dignity and acceptance. That is very true. In other words, is dishonesty as meritorious as honesty? No, it isn't. God is equal in his dealings with people, but in the sense that he is uniform. He is just. He is fair. He's impartial. God is equal in that he will judge everyone according to his ways. And that's a quote that I got right from Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 29 and 30. It's found in those passages. So God treats every person equally under the law, but it's under his law. That is, it's under the moral law as it exists in his mind. Not the moral law as it exists in the law of sinners, or in the mind of sinners, or in the mind of arbitrary social planners, or in the mind of the Jesuits, who are promoting this, by the way, this whole movement. They're behind it. And so, no, it's not the law of sinners that we must judge people by, or the law of arbitrary social planners. It's the law of God. And so it is our duty to find out the law of God. And the moral law uh, can be discovered through natural means, 
and uh, also, of course, through Revelation, it's, it's made known perfectly in the Bible. So we are to do the same as God does. God is equal in his judgments, and we should be the same. So if someone steals, he needs to be punished accordingly, by proper authority, of course, regardless of his gender, his race, or his proclivity. Stealing is an act that needs to be repudiated. If someone has sexual relations outside of or prior to marriage, that person needs to be kindly shunned or corrected, regardless of gender, race, or sexual preferences. If someone has sexual relations with someone of the same gender, he or she has violated natural law as well as God's law, or you could say revealed law. Natural law is that law which is discoverable by reason, or it's discoverable by common sense. Both reason and biblical law teach that the purpose of sex between two people is, number one, for procreation. That's the primary purpose of sex, is to have children. God says, be fruitful and multiply. Once you start reading Genesis in chapter 1, and you start reading, you're going to find the first commandment he gives to mankind is be fruitful and multiply. So that's the purpose of sex, is for procreation. The second purpose is for God-approved bonding, or for a proper kind of bonding. And bonding between a male and a woman a male and a female, is is healthy and is fine if they're married, of course. So that's God-approved bonding. Only between two people who have promised to stay bound for life. That's called marriage. And, uh, of course, it has to be both genders, uh, uh, opposite genders. And then the other reason, or the other purpose for sexual relations, is for legitimate pleasure. Now, not all pleasure is legitimate. Some of it is evil. Some of it is wicked. Some of it is selfish pleasure. We got to make sure our pleasures that we involve, that we enjoy, are righteous and they're in accordance with God's moral law. So that's the purpose of sex, for procreation, for God-approved bonding, and also for legitimate pleasure. Homosexual activity and commerce fails in all three of these aspects. So natural law does not support homosexual behavior. Remember, I owe something to, to you listeners. I owe love. I owe truth. Now, I'm not running for office, so I don't care about your vote. Uh, my, my whole purpose here is to speak the truth in love, because that is my duty. That is something I owe to my fellow man. The Bible commands me to love my neighbor as myself. And part of that is speaking truth uh, to, to my fellow man. So equality means justice. It means equity. It means fairness. It means equal treatment under the law, under natural law, under moral law which, of course, is made known perfectly in our King James Bible. The content of a person's character must influence how we relate to him or her. 
It doesn't change the fact that we love them. Yes, we love them, but we love them in a different way. The love requires, it's just like if your child is obeying you, you love him by saying, good job, good job, Johnny. I really appreciate what you did there. That's love. Now, if he does wrong, then you have to say, Johnny, you really did wrong. You broke a rule. I'm going to have to spank you. That's love too. But you're treating them according to their behavior. And um, so uh, the content of a person's character does influence how we relate to them. But it does not, it should not ever influence whether or not we love them and care for them. So God is no respecter of persons. God does not respect, accept, or favor everyone equally, and neither should we. Much depends on one's behavior and or his reputation. Should an intruder, an intruder into your home be treated just as you would treat an invited guest? Would you require a known thief to work in your department store? Is it right to call an adulterer or a sexual deviant? A morally upright person? Would you choose to marry a known liar, a cheat, a flirt, or a pedophile? Would you choose to marry someone like that? Or have him or her babysit your child? You see how we have to treat them according to the law and according to their behavior. Is it good for the public to give openly corrupt persons Positions of influence or authority in your school, in your church, in your organization, or in your municipality? Is that, I think the answers to these questions are pretty obvious. Not all who use the term equality understand what it really means, and not all have good intentions when using it. The promoters and organizers of the homosexual movement use much prevarication and evasiveness. To them, the end justifies the means. Their motives are often hidden. They distort the, meaning of, the meanings of words as a means of looking good in the eye of the public. They use fine-sounding words to define evil concepts. They claim to be for equality, diversity, and fair treatment, but their policies do the exact opposite. They claim to care for children while they are grooming them to become debauched and good little Marxists that can fit into the New World Order. That's what they're doing. They use Jesuit cunning, Jesuit arts and practices to accomplish their ends. The LGBTQ handlers are deceivers. They're accomplished liars. Remember, they're not just liars. They're very good at it. They call them, or we call them, con artists. And that's what these people are. We must remember that the devil and his followers never build anything worthwhile. They, they, they are only good at destroying or perverting what God has created and what God has instituted and what God pe good people have created and instituted, such as America. Good people founded this country. And the perverted crowd, especially the elites, 
and the moneyed people, the, the the rich and and the famous and the and the the international bankers, they're out to to destroy America and turn it into their own image. The funders of the homosexual rights movement need to disguise their destructive agenda by lies, by twisting words, by deception. To succeed, they call their agenda to demoralize society a movement of what? Equality. They call it equality and fairness and all these terms, and it means the exact opposite. They call their taking away of rights from the innocent fairness. They call sexual deviance gay. They're not gay. They're not happy. They're not merry. I've talked to many or several of people like this, and a lot of them don't like what they're involved in. They'd like to get out, but they're kind of trapped, and they feel trapped. Well, Christ can deliver, but you need to give him your life and your heart. Your heart, and You need to start surrender your will to the will of God, and he will help you. But you've got to want it. Remember, it's a lot easier to get into a life of sin when out of it than to get out of a life of sin when in it. And that can that holds true for drunks, for drug addicts, for people that have got anger issues, anger problems. It holds true for any sin. So these people call their perverted unions marriage. See how they're using marriage. They're perverting the word marriage. They claim to be tolerant, but are very intolerant of the Ten Commandments. They don't want them in schools because they're afraid the children might actually read them and start following them. And that scares these people. You see, these are the ones who are backing, funding, and promoting the homosexual movement. It's these people that hate the Ten Commandments. And they don't only hate that, they hate biblical Christianity. And by the way, those two things is what forms the foundation for our founding documents. The Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. All these documents are very, very consistent with the Ten Commandments and with biblical Christianity, not Roman Catholicism. Biblical Christianity, there's a big, big difference between the two. So these people also claim to oppose censure, censorship, while they themselves are the biggest and worst censors of all. They claim to be for equal rights, but are in practice against the rights of property owners. They're against the rights of the innocent, the pro-lifers, the small business owners, the religious, and the public at large. So that's lie number 10 that I've been talking about. The LGBT community promotes equality. I don't believe it's true in the true sense or in the good sense. Now, lie number 11. What two consenting adults do in private harms no one and, no, and it's no one else's business. This is a big lie. This is not true. First, the relationship sometimes involves an adult and a minor. Since homosexuals cannot reproduce, they must recruit. Marxists and Papists know that to swell their ranks, they must go for the children. And Hitler knew that too, of 
course, the Nazis know that. You got to get the children. This is obvious even that they do this in this movement by the name of one of their organizations. I believe it's called the North American Man-Boy Something Association. NAMBLA. Probably legal association. I don't know what, exactly what it is. But it's called NAMBLA. North American Man-Boy Association. That L, I don't know what that L stands for. But anyway, pedophilia is a big part of the LGBTQ movement and um, so it's not to consenting adults a lot a lot of, sometimes it is but sometimes it is not also they say it's no one else's business well private misconduct often has many dire consequences for people who are outside of that bedroom sexual sins often lead to divorce to broken homes deprived children, the growth of the foster care movement, and foster care is only growing because they are trying hard to destroy real marriages and families. And of course, they want the foster care movement to grow because then the government will raise these kids and kids in foster care are controlled by the government. And uh, that's what the government wants. So the government is anti-family, just like what the, to a large extent anyway. I'm not saying everyone in government is like this. I'm just saying uh, the, 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 the big rulers are pretty much like this. Um, the top echelons of, of our government are, are really corrupt. Um, what else happens? Uh, sexual sins leads to unresolved guilt it leads to serious depression sometimes minor depression but sometimes serious sexually transmitted diseases it leads to that feminism it leads to feminism to fatherless homes to betrayals all kinds of betrayals to juvenile delinquency to cultural rot to tyrannical governments, and this is the big one, that's really what they want. They want a tyrannical government. They, they want to be tyrants. And what else does it lead to? It leads people to hellfire and brimstone. Now, if that, does, if that is not enough to say that, yeah, it, it does become my business, and uh, of course my business is to speak truth and love. So it's obviously my business to speak on this issue because I, I am duty-bound by God to love my fellow man. So if you don't, you know, I've heard some people, Sean Hannity has said this and others have said, they said, oh, what they do in private, I don't care. Well, anybody who talks like that has got something missing in his brain because actually what people do in private does affect society big time. So if you don't care what some do in private, then don't call yourself a Christian and don't call yourself a good person because you're not a good person. We have to care what takes place in private sometimes i'm not saying in every time i'm not saying be intrusive and i'm not teaching people to be snitches that's not what i'm talking about i'm just saying that private misconduct often leads to many consequences so we have to do what we can to encourage everybody to live right and to be on a road that leads to to life and to eternal life so that's lie number 11. Line number 12, same-sex marriage is now legal in America. No, 
It is not. And anybody who tells you differently does not know the law. Let me give you the law. The top law in America is not even the Constitution. It's God's law. The top law in the world and in the universe and in every nation under the sun is God's law. And by the way, Judgment Day will prove that. Someday everybody will know that there is one God who created us and that we are all, all bound to worship him and love him and obey him and to love our neighbors ourselves. That's God, God's way of that we should live. So that's the top law of, of all nations. What God did to Sodom and Gomorrah proved that he hates the sin of homosexuality. And God will prove it again when his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, will return to make war. He's not coming back to die for us. He already did that. He came as a lamb. He's coming back as a lion. It's going to be to make war against unrepentant mankind and to defeat the beast, the false prophet, the antichrist system, and those who receive the mark of the beast and worship his name. That's what will happen when Christ returns. So I, I'm encouraging you to be on the right side because eternity is a long time. You're going to be dead for a long time. And uh, it's imp important that you, that you and I and all of us are right with God. But some will say, well, the preamble and the Constitution is the top law of the land. Well, in a sense, that is. So let's read part of the preamble of the Constitution. And this is what it says. It says, uh, it states the purpose of government. That's what the preamble is. It's all about the goals of government. And it says this, to form, the goal of government is to form a more perfect union, to establish justice, to ensure domestic tranquility, to promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity, end quote. So that's the top law of the land. That's the purpose of the whole government, to promote the general welfare, to promote liberty, not only to, for ourselves, but for our children. See, the founding fathers did, were not selfish people. They cared about their children. They cared about generations down the road. Uh, how many politicians really care about generations down the road now? Uh, how many politicians even care about their own daughters and their own children? Uh, I, I, I question if many do at all. So this preamble, it says it calls for a more perfect union. Well, an established justice and all these things. Well, almost every aspect of the LGBTQ movement opposes these goals. So it's so these people that voted to legalize same-sex marriage, they were not following the Constitution, which is the top law of the land, not one bit. The First Amendment, First Amendment states that Congress shall make no law prohibiting the free exercise of religion. By religion, the founders clearly and undeniably meant biblical Christianity because that was about the only kind of religion there was in America. They left Roman Catholicism and they were not, they were not uh, Muslims. These people were all Bible believers more or less, some, some more, some less. But, but they all had respect for God and for their fellow man and they built a very, very good nation. Well, 
when they enshrined that law that Congress, and by the way, Congress is the only lawmaking branch of government. Judges cannot make law and presidents cannot make law. They cannot come up with executive orders to order us around. No, sorry, they can't do that. They do it because that's called tyranny, but they're not supposed to. A government that does not try to promote pure Christianity is antichrist. And they are the enemy of the public. So legalizing same-sex marriage is really legalizing crime. And governments have no right to legalize crime. And, it's, and when you legalize something, what are you doing? You're promoting it. So it's the opposite. This whole movement is the opposite of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Sex perversion is a clear and frontal attack on true Christianity, on the family, on the children, on the welfare of all Americans, and especially the LGBTQ crowd. There's, they stand to lose the most from the LGBTQ movement. They do. Making same-sex marriage legal makes it easy and acceptable for many to stay in their sin and end up in hell. It makes it easy and acceptable for children to grow up without a father or a mother in the home. It makes it easy for our nation to collapse and be swallowed up by ruthless tyrants and devil-worshipping sex perverts. And these are the people who own all the money right now, basically. <clears throat> the big bankers, and they're all into this. The Communist Manifesto, written by Karl Marx in 1858, I believe, or 59, that book is being followed almost to the T right now by all Democrats, and I mean all Democrats, and about two-thirds to, to three-fourths of the Republicans. Both parties are in on it, and uh, we're, we're in deep trouble. And all, almost all the churches are in on it, too. Uh, the um, Protestant churches are in on it because they, they I, I like to call it Marxian, Marxianity, that's what somebody called it on the, on the radio once, and I thought that was good. That's, that's what we got in most churches today. It's called Marxianity. It's a mixture of Marxism and Christianity. And remember that word mixture, that means confusion, and that means Babylon. Ba Babel means confusion or mixture. And it's the, ba the great movement of Babylon that has been uh, overwhelming uh, all of society in America and uh, pretty much worldwide. So the Bible foretold 2,000 years ago that many shall betray and hate one another. And you're seeing that take place. You can read about that in Matthew 24, verse 10. It also predicted 2,000 years ago that the greatest tribulation of all time will come. I don't believe we're there yet. It also teaches that many false prophets shall arise and shall show signs and wonders. We're not fully there, but we're there to some extent. It also says that perilous times will come. That means dangerous, difficult, or dangerous times will come. That's in 2 Timothy chapter 3. It also says that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. That means shall become worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. 
Just remember, everyone who deceives others becomes themselves self-deceived. So these people that are in fake media who love to deceive the masses, they themselves are believing their own lies to a great extent, and they're deceived. And um, by the way, somebody asked me the other day, will God judge me if I'm deceived? Yes, he will, because it is our duty to undeceive ourselves. The Bible, a lot of places says, be not deceived, be not, that's a command. So don't be deceived. So we are responsible if we're going to please God, to undeceive ourselves and to be enlightened. And the way to be enlightened is to know and follow the truth of God's Word. It also says, 2,000 years ago in the Bible, it says, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. That means they won't tolerate sound doctrine. That means healthy, good doctrine. But after their own lusts, their own evil desires, shall they heap to themselves teachers. Oh, they're going to find somebody that agrees with them, having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. You know, there is no other place to go to when you reject truth but to some lie. You're going to believe in some fable. So when you turn your, your ears from a good Bible-believing ministry, you're going to be turned onto some kind of lying ministry or deceptive ministry. The homosexual lobby, which is being funded and fueled by super-rich elites, is not only hurting the homosexuals, whom God and Christians love and want to save. See, we want these people saved. We care about them. We love our fellow man. But these people are also being used, the LGBT crowd, are also being used as tools and agents by the oligarchs and the major corporations that are affiliated with the Council on Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, the World Economic Forum, the Jesuits, the Illuminati, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Ford Foundation, the Carnegie Foundation, BlackRock, which is one of the biggest companies in the world, Vanguard, another huge company that owns almost everything, Bank of America, the Vatican, and I could name many more. And when I named the Council on Foreign Relations, I've got a list of about, oh, so many corporations that are part of this group. This is made up of about 5,000, probably a few more, 5,000 CEOs and top high-ranking people in the world or, or in America. And I would call the Council on Foreign Relations the, the ruling establishment in America. They're the closest thing that we have to the ruling establishment. And all of these people have the same religion, and their religion is Satanism. It really is. Um, it's Satanism, and uh, it's anti... Put another way, you could call it anti-Christianity. They're all against Christ in one degree or another. They're not equally against Christ. No, no, because this is a group of 5,000 people. But they're all against Christ in some measure. And if you're against Christ in some important measure, you might even make it part of this group. And uh, they're the ones that are running this country. And, and they want a new world order. And so really, remember, it's a Council on Foreign Relations. They want a new world order. So the effort to legalize same-sex marriage 
and legitimize immorality is designed to bring about the rule of Antichrist and worldwide devil worship. You know, sometimes people think that all they want is power. I would say it's a little deeper than that. Yes, some of them, that's all they want is money and power and pleasure. Yeah, they're all selfish. There's no doubt about that. They're definitely selfish. But it's the end game is about getting people, individuals, you, me, to just leave God, to separate from God, and to start following the opposite of God, who would be the devil. So anytime we violate God's will, we're just doing the will of the devil. We become a child of the devil. Can a Christian become a child of the devil? Absolutely. All he has to do is leave Christ. So same-sex marriage is now legal in America? Not really. Not according to the Constitution. And not even, uh, I understand the Senate is the one who voted, but the, the lawmaking powers have to originate in the House of Representatives. So uh, that, that was not passed yet. Um, hopefully that never will. But anyway, regardless, um, those who voted for same, there were only five unelected judges that voted for it uh, several years back, and they don't have the right to make law at all. So that's lie number 12. Lie number 13, the fact that the LGBTQ movement is growing is proof that it is right and it's proof that it's good for society. Well, this is a lie. This is false. Instead, this is proof that the Bible is inspired by God. Everything that is currently happening has been foretold in the pages of the Bible. You know why? Because God wrote the Bible and only God knows the future. Devils do not know the future. They're pretty clever. They're better than we are at knowing the future of the devil because the devil knows the Bible very well. So the devil reads the Bible and knows all about the Bible and it knows <clears throat> what is coming down the road. But no one knows the future like God does. God knows the future perfectly. The reason why is God is eternal. He's not within the context of time like we are. So he knew 2,000 years ago what would transpire on this earth. And it's all recorded in the Bible to encourage us, to let us know that, yeah, there is a God on the throne and God is real and we better get right with him. You know, that's what this is all about. And have faith in God more than in the tyrants and more than in the scholars and, and the Bible experts. We're going to put our faith in God. And of course, more than in the, uh, the, the church fathers, a lot of people like to put their faith in the church fathers. They all disagreed with each other. So you can't do that and, and, and really be um, sound in your thinking. You're going to be a very confused person if you put your faith in the church fathers. The real church fathers would be the apostles and the apostles' doctrines. That's what we got to put our faith in. And that has been preserved perfectly in our King James Bible. And by the way, that's what they want to separate us from, from the Bible. So yeah, the, this movement, this seemingly big movement is being propped up by a few well-connected elites who control the money, control the media, control many businesses, 
But remember, this movement and this, <laughs> you read Revelation chapter 6, verse 15, and chapter 11, verse 15, and chapter 13, verse 5, and chapter 19, verse 2. You read those verses and you're going to find out that this, is not, this movement's not going to last long because God will make bare his arms someday, and it could be very soon. He will demolish or have Babylon demolished. And he will cast the Antichrist and the false beast into the lake of fire. So this, this won't last long. So in the past, Rome and the Roman Church, Roman Catholicism, controlled most of the civilized world during the Dark Ages. Well, America was born in 1776 because a few people came on a boat and were tired of being brainwashed by Rome. So they wanted the freedom of conscience, the freedom of religion. So they came here and they founded a really good society. And of course, America was born in 1776. That's when the Jesuits were kind of out of power to some extent at that time. Now, those Jesuits reorganized. Remember, they were founded in, I believe it was 1530, 1540, around there. That's when they were that's when they began. And they began for the purpose of promoting the primacy of the Pope and for the purpose of destroying biblical Christianity or the Protestant movement. That is the whole goal of the Jesuits. And well, of course, the Protestant movement came to America, which would be more or less Bible believers. And so they've been trying to attack this country. So they reorganized and 1814, the reason why they were thrown out of many, many countries prior to that. And one pope got rid of them because he had a little bit of sense and got rid of them. But then they apparently they killed that pope and uh, they, they reorganized. They don't go away. Just like the devil, he'll never go away. Well, they reorganized in 1814. That's about 40 years after America was birthed. And then they began to destroy our foundations. They infiltrated Freemasonry in America, the, the American kind of Masons, who were, some of the founders were Masons, but they were not corrupt Masons, not like now. Uh, Freemasonry now is very corrupt. So they reorganized at that time and began to destroy our foundations. And it, it was a tough building to destroy, but they've been at it for over 200 years. And so America, is now in a free fall we're, we're collapsing and we're falling into the hands of rome again that's all this is the deep state is all about falling into the hands of rome we're falling into the hands of the papacy in other words the vatican the jesuits the popes or the pope and we're going back to the dark ages that's why they're trying to confuse us you know a boy maybe shouldn't should change his gender and be a girl and vice versa. And they're trying to get us to question reality. And that's what the Dark Ages was all about. They didn't believe the Bible. But what does away with the Dark Ages is the Bible. Because the Bible is perfectly consistent with reason, with common sense, with good law, good thinking. And so that's why they're trying to wean us away from the King James Version. So even, and by the way, even many traditional Roman Catholics are seeing that the Vatican is not their friend. 
they're seeing that the Vatican is becoming more and more Marxist. They always were Marxist. They were becoming more and more Nazi-like. Well, they supported Hitler. No doubt about that. The Nazis were supported by the Pope. And fascism, Mussolini and the fascist movement is growing in America. That's where governments unite with big, big business and they control the masses. And that's what we're seeing. It's all the deep state. And people that are old line Roman Catholics are seeing that, boy, the Vatican, I, I don't know if I can trust them anymore. And, and they're becoming more cruel, the Vatican is, and more satanic. There's no doubt about that. And anybody that wants to know this can, can look, look it up for themselves. There's all kinds of websites you can look at. But the best thing to look at is the Bible. And uh, it exposes them. So that's lie 13. Yeah, it might be growing. But um, is it good for society? Obviously not. And it will be short-lived. Just like Sodom and Gomorrah is no longer to be found. And God destroyed it. So lie number 14 now, those who oppose sex changes and perversion are bigots. Huh. Hmm. I don't believe this is true. But again, they play with words and we have to define the word bigot. The word bigot in a strict sense is this. This is according to Webster's Dictionary. It's a person who is obstinately and unreasonably wedded to a particular religious creed, opinion, practice, or ritual. That's a bigot in the strict sense of the word. Bigotry, in the strict sense, is blind attachment to some belief or practice. To oppose all practices that God opposes is not being obstinate. To oppose a movement that is unreasonable that's not bigoted. That's called being reasonable. It's not being blind. Instead, to oppose bad movements is to be wise. It's to be reasonable. It's to be undeceived. Okay? Now, that's one, that's the major meaning of the word bigot. It's, it's a, an obstinate or unreasonable uh, attachment to, to some belief. But sometimes this word is used in an enlarged sense for a person who is intolerantly attached to an opinion or to a system of belief. Like for instance, one may be a bigot to any religion that denies that Jesus is God. Well, I'm one of those bigots, if you want to call me that. I'm intolerantly attached to the Bible. I believe the Bible is the word of God. Every jot and tittle is the Word of God. And I believe that Bible has been preserved perfectly. Now, I'm pretty adamant about that. I'm not going to be liberal in my beliefs on this point. I'm, I'm trying to be consistent. I believe that's the Word of God. That does not make me a bad person. But it may be the definition of the word bigot in an enlarged sense. Okay, So it is okay and proper to oppose and to not tolerate bad thinking or bad laws or bad practices. You know, it's okay to be like that. I mean, I would dare say everybody here is bigoted against rape. I would hope you are. 
and against murder. I hope you're against murder. Well, that's good. I hope you're really against murder and you're intolerant on that position. And here's another thing I'm very intolerant of in mathematics. I don't know math too well, but I know this, that 4 plus 4 equals 8. And it does not equal 10, and somebody might think it equals 19, but it doesn't. That would be um, very intolerant on the answer to 4 plus 4. It equals 8 and nothing else. That's a form of bigotry in the enlarged sense, in the less strict sense. So whatever they mean by bigot, uh, a bigot, yeah, uh, people who believe the Bible believe the Bible, and that's truth to them. And um, so whether it, it's not only truth to them, it is truth, period. Whether it's something to you or not is immaterial. So anyway, that's line number 14. I don't believe it's, it's being unreasonable to have the belief that homosexual sin is wrong. That's not unreasonable. That's very reasonable. Lie number 15. The LGBTQ cause is all about human rights. Well, no, it is not about human rights. It's about granting special rights for those who are immoral or for the sexually disoriented or for those who are not thankful to God for their God-assigned gender. These people that want sex changes are really saying to God that, God, I'm not happy the way you made me. And it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's a form of unthankfulness or ungratefulness to God. So that's, um, that's what the LGBTQ is all about. It's about giving special rights to special people who are immoral. And that is not a human right. And that should not be considered a human right. The LGBTQ movement is about corrupting society. And again, I'm saying, I'm not saying everybody involved in this is trying to corrupt society. No, that's not their goal. Their goal is just to have fun, to enjoy pleasure, you know. But remember, the Bible says they're in the last days, people will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That's a sin. But, you know, maybe you're not out to corrupt anybody, but your behavior is having that effect, whether you like it or not. So this movement is about corrupting society. It's about distorting their sense of reality. It's about radicalizing youngsters. It's about separating children from parents. It's about separating people from God so as to make them dependent, unthinking slaves of the New World Order, which, by the way, is nothing more than a return to the Dark Ages when Rome and the papacy took away from people their right to private judgment and their right to freedom of conscience, even their right to read the Bible. And those who were considered heretics were even burnt at the stake. This is factual. There are millions and millions. One, one writer said there was about 60 million people that were killed through the influence of the Roman Catholic Church. 60 million uh, in, a, in a time span of a few hundred years. Now, that's a lot of people. And um, they have not changed. They're still 
far from God, and that's their problem. They're, they're not believing in the God of the Bible. And remember, when you turn away from the truth, what else is there but fables? So this movement, the gay movement, you want to call it, quote-unquote, is all about taking away the rights of the innocent, the rights of children, the rights of straight people, of Bible-believing churches, the rights of normal people who can read and think for themselves. They don't even want us to read because, remember, if your child learns to read, he may learn how to think. And they don't want that. That's unacceptable to these people. That's why our public schools are being used to teach people how not to read. That's really what it's up to. They're, they don't want kids to learn how to read and to think for themselves. Because if you can read, then you can think. And they don't want us like that. They want us to be slaves. So it's pure slavery is what we're running into. And uh, people can deny it, but it, it's a fact. It's happening. So this movement is an attack on the freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom to petition your government for a redress of grievances, kind of like the January 6th where the, most of the people went there just to protest what the government was doing. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that they stole an election there. There's no way that Joe Biden was elected. Fairly, definitely not fairly, they either stole the election, but also the media was in on it because they kept back a lot of the tapes that showed Biden involved in crimes uh, the, uh, with his son, and uh, the media did not play those, uh, that, those, that tape or those, uh, those facts. They didn't tell the people what Biden's crime family was up to. So that means the media wasn't on stealing the election because they didn't report the news. And that's their job, supposed to be truthful, report the news. Well, anyway, the, this, is, uh, this is what this movement is all about. It's an attack on our freedom. It's an attack on our way of life. And they, the LGBT crowd is being used as a weapon. They're being weaponized by the high elites that have all the money. So I want to end by asking ourselves this. How can we save ourselves, our countrymen, and all sinners, including people in, in the LGBT crowd? How can we save ourselves and save them and help them? Well, real quickly. Number one, read, study, and obey the word of truth. That's what the Bible is called, by the way. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, that's what the Bible is. It's called the word of truth. And right after that, not many verses after, it says this, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. End quote. That's in 2 Timothy chapter 3. So that's the first thing we can do to save ourselves, our countrymen, and our fellow man. Number two, we can repent and we must repent and turn from our sins. It's turn or burn. That's really the message of the Bible. And ask Sodom and the people in Sodom and Gomorrah. They didn't turn and God burned them. 
God sent fire from the sky to destroy that city. Well, uh, the, the, those cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. So the same will happen to us, maybe not fire, but um, this is destroying America. This movement is being used to destroy the family and to destroy our society. But what's the solution? Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. End quote. So, if we first do our part, then God will do his part. In other words, if we would mind our own business and do what we can do, then God will bless. He may not bless in the way we want, but he will bless in the way he thinks we deserve. Number three, become a child of God by placing your faith and your full confidence in Jesus Christ and in his words. By the way, the words of Jesus, you can't know them unless you read your King James Bible. That's where they're found, the words of Jesus. And by committing yourself to Christ as your Lord, your supreme authority. If you do that, then you watch. God will bless you. Number four, become a tool, a servant of righteousness and a servant of God. Don't be a tool for the Antichrist or the, a tool for, for the international bankers and big business. No, you become a tool of God, tool of righteousness or a servant. The word is servant. In um, Romans chapter 6, it uses the word instrument. That's what an instrument, it's a tool. Number five, don't compromise a single moral conviction. Follow God fully, not halfway. Don't go 90% with God. Go 100% with God. And that's what Caleb did. Caleb and Joshua, they were two great Jews who really went all the way with God. And because they went all the way, they both entered into the promised land. Nobody else did except those two. Why? Well, they fully followed they followed God fully, it says. It says that in Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, by the way. So here's another thing to do. Number six, fulfill your God-given gender roles and your God-given gender responsibilities. If you're a man, be the best man you can be. If you're a woman, be the best woman you can be. Number seven, stop cross-dressing. Don't wear the articles of the other sex. And Deuteronomy 22.5, don't cross-dress. Women wear dresses, wear head coverings in church, ladies. And, uh, and um, men, you know, dress like men, act like men if you're a man. And don't wear the earrings and don't get tattoos and all this stuff. This stuff, tattooing, it's just the devil's way of getting you used to putting something on your skin. Pretty soon you're going to put the mark of the beast on there because you're used to tattooing yourself. So be careful of, of all this stuff. The Bible forbids tattoos. You can argue, but argue with Revel, uh, Leviticus. It's in Leviticus 18, I believe, 19, 20, around there. So um, number eight, pull your children out of government schools and colleges as quickly as possible. That's something you can do for your fellow man. Number nine, separate from sinful and unfaithful Christians. Walk alone if necessary. By the way, you're not alone because God will be with you. He that walks with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Number 10, one or 
a few committed Christians in a city or in a town can hold back the fire of God. You know, Abraham prayed, Lord, if there are 50 righteous, will you destroy the city of cities of Sodom and Gomorrah? And God said, no, I won't. How about 45? No, I won't. How about 30? No, I won't. If How about if you find 20 righteous, will you destroy the cities? And God's, God says, no, I won't. How about 10, Lord? If you find 10 people that are righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah, will, will you destroy the city? And God says, no, I won't. And God and, and Abraham stopped praying right then. He stopped praying. Guess what? God destroyed the cities with fire and brimstone because there were less than 10 people who were righteous. And at first there were four, Lot and his wife and his two daughters. And even Lot's wife turned into a pillar of salt because she was on the way out, but she turned back. God said, don't turn back. Don't look back. And what did she do? She looked back and God zapped her, made her into a pillar of salt. You can't mess with God. That's my point. And it may look like we're getting away with sin, but we're not getting away with it. So if you wonder why America has not, uh, or God has not brought severe judgment to America, you may thank a fellow Christian for it. It could be because there's still a few Christians left in America who are serious about God. And that could be why God has not totally destroyed this country yet. I mean, it's on the way down, no doubt. But maybe, in other words, the presence of a Christian has a way of retarding and holding back God's judgment. So be, I'm, if there's one person listening and you take this stuff seriously, you could change your family just by living for God. You could change your neighborhood. You could change, who knows? A few people could change your whole town. And because God steps in and God is far more powerful than Satan. And I read a verse, and I want to leave you with this verse. In Galatians 6, 1, it says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Now, here's the last thing I want to say. Become spiritual. In other words, yield to the will and to the desire of the Holy Spirit, which is found perfectly in the Bible. Become spiritual yourself so that you can help others. Because it's those that are spiritual that are able to restore those that are on the wrong path. I want to thank you so much for listening. God bless you. And I, again, I, I hope you realize that all these things are said in love. The Bible says, speak the truth in love. And, and I just owe this to, to my listeners. God bless you. This has been another Neurological Deep Dive podcast brought to you by Simply J&M Studios. Hope you enjoyed the show. Tune in for another.